Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. I'd like to just get into my story. It was fascinating when I did this movie, um, Cheryl Ladd. Remember her from Charlie's Angels? Some of you remember her? She's the original one. How many are in love with her? I said, man, I'm walking the wall, shaking you out, lady. And I said, she said to me, she said, um, are you taking anything from the movie? I said, no, no. Jesus said, freely receive, freely give. So I've never taken a cent from a testimony. You just give it away. So if you find my testimony, just copy it, do whatever you like with it. <laughs> Can't take it with you. <laughs> and she said, Ian, I will do the movie for free. So she was amazing. She'd become a Christian in Hollywood, gone through a terrible divorce, and come to faith. And I said, what was it that really touched your heart, uh, Cheryl? And she said, my mum praying for me. (laughs) And so she said, I can play your mother in this movie. Because I wouldn't be here had my mother not prayed for me. And the reason why we're here tonight is often because of a mother, grandma, someone who's had enough love for you to get on their knees and pray. And that's the most beautiful thing. Prayer changes people's lives. And um, by this, uh, I pray that tonight that your hearts would be warmed by the love of God and turn for eternity towards him. He can give eternal life. He can heal the most broken heart. And he can encounter a person even in their absolute darkness. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Even if I descend into the pits of Hades, into Sheol, God can step into that. Darkness is as light to the Lord. Nothing can separate us from that love. And no matter how far you may be from him, one turn from your heart towards the light of heaven, and the darkness has to flee. The light is always more powerful than darkness. And let the light of his presence penetrate your spirit tonight and find his amazing grace and incredible salvation. Um, going to share my testimony The first one on the PowerPoint is my wife. Uh, Love her to bits. 30 years married. And um, I reckon I'm getting more in love with her than when I married her. Kids said, get a room. I said, I have. (laughs) It's locked. (laughs) Some of you have no idea, have you? I have three kids. Look angelic. But as I told people this morning, they're not. They're called look-alike angels. They're cute, man. <laughs> Come from New Zealand, uh, heaven on earth, Lord of the Rings country, Middle Earth, you know, <laughs> Hobbitville. <laughs> we used to milk cows just near where they did the Hobbits, and it literally looks like that. It's not Hollywood, it's actually real. Um, waterfalls, um, natural beauty, uh, beautiful coves. We have boutique beaches where Australia has the best beaches in the world. Um, New Zealand has very small, kind of really unusual little coves and bays. I come from what they call the Mount, or Mount Monganui, um, born and bred there. And this is a very, very pretty part of New Zealand where the queue fruit come from. We have thousands of pods of dolphins just off us, um, good fish in the harbour, and um, we have crays just off the beach. Great surf. This is a place called... Anyone surfing here? Any surfers? We've got a... No surfers, we're landlocked. <laughs> one, <laughs> one surfer in the whole room. Two, oh my gosh, you got Bowles, Torquay, Phillip Island, making some of the best surf in the world. And so as a young man growing up, I used to watch all the surf movies. 
and then a bunch of Californian kids uh, did a movie called Endless Summer. And they picked up the surfboards and took off. So it was um, 1980. I was 24 years of age. I'm moving that if it's all right. And I decided to just surf around the world. New Zealand does have winters. They're not that bad where I live, but I just got sick of winter. So I took off. How many have looked in the mirror lately and seen you've changed somewhat? <laughs> the six-pack has become a keg. Especially when you do this, man. It looks all right this way. You go that way. You go, oh, my God. What happened there, man? <laughs> six months. Anyhow, so I was young. And I decided to travel. So I took my surfboard, actually had five of them, and began to surf all around the world. Went up to Australia, Indonesia, Sri Lanka, and then sailed on a schooner to Mauritius, surfed in South Africa, Reunion Island. I'd been traveling for two years surfing, and my younger brother had got out of the army in New Zealand and was in Fremantle as a chef. He said, Ian, will you come back to New Zealand for my wedding? I said, mate, can you get married some other time <laughs> halfway around the world? He said, no, mate, I'm in love. I want to get married. Will you come home? Younger brother, so I thought, right, I'm going to go home. Go home. So I went back to an island called Mauritius where I'd lived the year before and uh, got a bit of surfing before the plane arrived. And that's not my brother. <laughs> it's my Rastafarian brother. You know, the Pete, Peter Tosh, Bob Marley boys, remember them? Don't worry, man, be happy. <laughs> Smoke more hashish. No, we had smoked enough chillums and bongs with them to blow all the rasters out, so we are part of the family. Do you have any clue what I'm talking about? <laughs> it was Mullamoomy Madness and Nimbin Sinbin days. Remember those? Very not. Okay, we'll move on. So I'm hanging out with the local rusters. These guys were fishermen, surfers, and really cool guys. I love them. The poorest people in the world look after you, mate. Really do. And I love these guys. I've become very close to them. They taught me how to um, dive at night. I was an instructor in scuba lifeguard. My mum reckon had fish blood in me. And so I was very acquainted with every Shark program on TV. I loved the ocean. And I would dive on the outer reef. This is down by Le Mans. And we'd come out by Rivière Noire and dive along the outer reef. Great surf spot, actually. One eye, if some of you are spotting it already. The two surfers in the entire room. So we would dive at night for crayfish and for crab, and um, this was how we lived. The fishermen sold them to the tourist hotel. For me, it was dinner in the middle of the night. It was 1982, um, April the 19th from memory, and my life was about to be radically changed. I went diving as we dropped into the ocean and began making out this near-transparent jellyfish, cube-shaped, finger-like tentacles. No idea that this was the box jellyfish. We had very few underwater photographs of the box jellies back in 1982. And we had encyclopedias. Remember those? Yeah. <laughs> Google was something you'd gargle with Listerine, right? <laughs> and phones, they were bricks. Remember those things that come out? Motorola things are about four by two. So there was no mobile phones in 1982 either. Shock horror. No internet. And it was just back in the good old days. <laughs> we had phones that did this. <laughs> You don't even know what those are, do you? <laughs> so here I am. I am diving, and my life is going to be radically changed by a jellyfish. In fact, I get hit by five box jellyfish. The Creole fishermen knew what they were, 
and they had full wetsuits on, rubber hoods and booties. To them, the water at night was cold. For me, I had a short sleeve vest on, a long john, and of course, my forearms and face were exposed. Fortunately, that night, because I was getting bitten by sea lice, how many bugs like eating you? Anyone know that you're a walking insect repellent? <laughs> so everything in the ocean, on the land, seemed to want to suck my blood. So I put Vaseline petroleum jelly over my arm and face because I was getting sick of eating by sea lice. This might have really helped because it provided a film from when the jellyfish hit. As you know, the box jellyfish is a lethal neurotoxin, potentially the deadliest creature known to man, and it can kill, if you hit it in the throat, three or four minutes you can be dead. So I tried to protect my face from being hit, took him right across my forearm, and it literally smashed in. It felt like thousands of volts of electricity, and when I got out of the water, my arm was like Popeye. Skin was blistered from the tentacles, looked like it had been whipped across my arm, and I could feel a burning sensation, like someone had a branding on on my skin and was literally searing it into the flesh. Does that give you some kind of an idea? So a fisherman looked at me and said, Pardon, on vis tuck, c'est fini. How come you not know? I said, you think white men know everything? I not know this one. When you see a black man turn white, and you pulled enough bongs and chillums with them to trust them, you're worried. Are you hearing me? Is my accent all mucked up? Been in Pommy land too long. So anyhow, I'm, I'm looking at my arm. They're telling me, get to a hospital. They drag me into the fishing boat, and as they do, they begin telling the young boy to take me to shore. I said, Simon, come with me. Help me. He said, Ian, no motor. Diving gear, too heavy. Go, you die. I said, what can I do? He said, pee on your arm. I went, what? He said, urinate on your arm now. So I peeled my wetsuit off, peered my arm. We won't go into detail on that one, but we did it. <laughs> How many have heard of vinegar? Yeah. So I thought, whatever the urine does, you just do it, mate. Got changed in my Balinese sweats, sat in the bottom of the boat, and tried to apply a manual tourniquet. I'm thinking, I've got to keep this poison away from my, from my body. So I tried to restrict it. I couldn't find a piece of rope. By the time I hit the beach, I tried to stand up and collapsed. This poison had, within a few minutes, taken out half of my body. Unbelievable. I crashed into the bottom of the boat sideways. The kid dragged me out of the boat up the sandy beach. How many have heard of people do supernatural feats of strength in the time of tragedy? Lifting up burning cars. I don't know how the kid got me. He's just a child. Dragged me up the beach, and then I watched him freaking out. He's gone, mon frere, sur la plage, the Saphony. And I'm thinking he's worried about his brothers out on the reef. I'm going, no, ambulance, gendarme, telephone. Does that sound French to you? Did to me. (laughs) This kid ran down to the boat and went out to rescue divers who had full wetsuits on and were completely protected. I'm left on the side of a road, middle of the night, slipping into what is called a coma. How many have heard of this? Often people slip into what they think is sleep, but it's certain death. As my eyes began to shut, which would have been certain death, I heard the audible voice of a man next to me. He said, son, if you close your eyes, you will never awake again. What? As I looked, there was no one there. I looked around, the invisible man. I thought, what the heck was that? In New Zealand, we have special institutions where people that hear invisible voices talking to them. <laughs> Called the nut house, you know what I mean? I thought, well, I'm no wacko, what the heck's that? 
I have no idea that God speaks to people. I don't even believe he exists. I'm an atheist. I found out later the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. And we don't want any more New Zealand sheep jokes. <laughs> you got more sheep than us, guys. Just thought I'd let you know. <laughs> Shock horror. So here I am, I'm dying. I'm what you call a black sheep. Any black sheep sneaking here this evening? Whoa, what a holy bunch of people, mate. Am I in Australia? I'm in another place, obviously. <laughs> it's amazing how people get very vocal outside. The church become like little lambs, in it? Not one heathen. Okay, well, we'll move on. Going to the wrong place. Might as well go down to the pub. So here I am. I get at least an audience. <laughs> So here I am dying, i got some voice talking to me who I don't even believe exists, telling me if I shut my eyes I'll snuff it. Come on, what would you do? I'd get up mate. <laughs> I, I could take a bit more time but I haven't got it. By the time an ambulance got me, I had gone through the death rattles, my whole body had shaken to bits, necrosis had entered the core of me and I'd gone icy cold. I was literally in a terrifying state by the time the ambulance arrived. As they got me into it, I could barely breathe, certainly couldn't move, and as they raced me towards the hospital, I started to see, this is your life. Snowy-headed kid, but I didn't recognize myself to start with because we had a box brownie camera when I was a little kid. Remember those things? You're all too young, mate. So we didn't even recognize ourselves, not like Vanity Book, our oh, Facebook, sorry. So here I am, here I am, I'm seeing my life go before me, and I'm thinking, what the heck? I've heard people say just before they die, they see this happen. So I quickly checked my vital signs. I was a consultant, supposedly 1% of the intelligentsia of the planet. That was a worry, <laughs> big worry. And so I lay there dying, thinking, well, my mind succinctly tells me I'm nearly dead. I thought, if I snuff it tonight, where would I go? Is there life after death or nothing? I thought, well, my atheist evolutionist belief is that there's no life after death. It's cessation of life. I thought, but I have been wrong before. <laughs> been wrong before? I was a gambling atheist. How many have heard of Russian roulette? How many have heard of few isms? Buddhism, Taoism, Confucianism, existentialism, Darwinism? How many would like to know the truth when you're dying? I thought, well, I have no idea. It's a bit of a lucky dip. Not sure. We'll find out. As I'm lying there contemplating all this, unbeknown to me on the other side of the world, one person who knew God saw my face. She told me later that she'd seen a bloodshot eyes. Well, that wasn't an unusual occurrence in those days. <laughs> it was like roadmaps. So here appears my mother in an ambulance on the, uh, 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 she's on the other side of the world praying. How many have seen the old people pray this way? Well, my mother was what you call an Anglican. She was traditional church. Stand up, sit down, kneel stuff, stare at the stained glass windows. But my mother somehow had had an experience with God and tried to bring her kids along to church. Trouble is, each one of us had no encounter with God. How many have been christened and confirmed and catechism and all these things? How many got all the certificates? But how many know it doesn't change your heart? So I'd walked away at the age of 14, and um, I just thought, well, that's for old ladies and mum, you know. Now I've got mum on her knees praying for me. 
How many know that might shake your cage? So it shook me. I thought, what's mother doing here? As she's praying, she's, she's saying, Ian, no matter how far from God you may be, no matter what you've done wrong in your life, if you call out to him from your heart, God will hear you and God will forgive you. I thought, forgive me? Too late. Too many sins, mum. I'd be a hypocrite talking to God, asking me to forgive me. Look at my lifestyle. My mother said, call out to God. I thought, well, which one? How many know there's a few to choose from? So I said, well, God, I don't know who you are. If you exist, show me your face. I need to see you to believe. As I lay there, none of the so-called gods appeared, only my mother. Other well, mother's not God. <laughs> they sometimes act like it, but anyhow. <laughs> I thought, my mother prays to Jesus Christ. Could mother be right? How many hate it when your mother's right? Or anyone else other than you. So I thought, well, mother, she says she believes in God. Does her life reflect what should be in the character and heart of God? I thought, well, out all the sick people on the planet, this woman, you could point to and say she's a saint. How many sometimes look at people and go, they're, quite, they're, they're too good for the world? I thought, if there's anyone that knows God, should he exist, my mum would be one of the few I'd point to. I thought, she prays to Jesus Christ. I thought, what on earth would you pray this Christian? I thought, when I was a little boy, she used to kneel by our bed and pray, Our Father. The Our Father's Prayer? The Lord's Prayer? I thought, well, as a gambler, you're putting all your chips up on one number. But what the heck? I haven't seen anyone else. Haven't seen Sahi Baba or Ganesh or Vishnu. So I'm lying here thinking, Mother's a Christian, pray a Christian prayer. As I tried to pray it, my mind went completely blank. How many have had that happen? I thought, well, I can't remember it. My mum said, Ian, pray from your heart, not your head. I said, well, God, if you can hear me, I don't even know if you exist, but if there's anything good in my heart, help me to pray. I can't remember the Lord's Prayer. Suddenly, words appeared in front of me. Forgive us our trespasses and sins. I thought, well, if I said these simple words, how could God Almighty forgive everything I've done wrong? I thought, I'm nearly dead. I don't have time to listen. I said, well, God, if you can hear me, I feel hypocritical having denied your existence, but if you can forgive a man like me, please forgive me. I don't know, a heap of stuff wrong. The words disappeared. Fresh words came up. Forgive those who trespass and sin against you. I thought, that's easy. I'm not a vindictive, revengeful person by nature. I can forgive anyone no matter what they've done to me. The moment I said that, two men's faces appeared in front of me. I thought, what the are they doing here? <laughs> the voice said, will you forgive these men for what they've done to you? And I thought, you must be joking. How many have got some folks on your hit list? <laughs> so I lay there and I realized these are the tip of the iceberg. I then had the realization that the person who spoke to me on the beach is the same person talked to me in the ambulance. And this is the Lord's Prayer. How many know that might be God? Now, I've heard a lot of people say, I forgive you. And as you walk away, you feel the knife go through your back. So I lay there and I thought, this is God. You can't fool him. I'm actually going to have to forgive them from my heart. I said, God, I don't want to. Give me one good reason why I should. (laughs) Silence in the heavenly realm. (laughs) How many know that doesn't go too well? So I thought, well, this is Cats 22. If I don't forgive, no more of the prayer. I said, well, God, if you could forgive me, which would be an absolute miracle, I forgive these men, I'll never touch them. I'll never, ever seek them out. 
their faces disappeared. Jesus spoke to me later. He said, Ian, because uh, I didn't know the Bible, if you don't forgive others, your sins will not be forgiven you. It's interesting, isn't it? Save a lot of counseling. <laughs> Next minute, fresh words came up. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I thought God's will be done. Well, so far it's been my will. I'm independent, self-sufficient, and proud of it. I've done it my way. I thought to do this God's way, that's going to change my life completely. Whatever he's doing in heaven, I've never done that. God, I, I need a miracle. I don't even know who you are. If you can help me through this experience, I'll find out what you're doing in heaven and try and do it on earth all the days of my life. As I said that, the entire prayer appeared in front of me. For the first time in my life, I understood what it meant. The most incredible peace entered my heart. Now, I'd been in a car wreck years before where the car flipped numbers of times. In that ambulance, time seemed to slow down like in the car wreck, a bit like the Matrix. I said to God, why did you do that? He said, Ian, I'm outside of time, I'm eternal. I give more grace in those dying seconds because I wish no man to perish. So I've talked to men in head-on collisions, people who have been in war, people who have had heart attacks, literally dropping dead, and in that moment, time slows down. God's very gracious. And because he's eternal, he can seem to manipulate time. So don't you judge where anyone's gone. I thought, I wonder how many men just like me, complete atheists, somehow find God in their dying moment. You never know what men do. Okay? Suddenly the ambulance stopped. They raced me to the hospital. As they did, they began to try and find my blood pressure. Two machines. Nurse couldn't find a pulse. Couldn't believe it. Tried another machine. Still no, no, no pulse. She began hitting a machine. I thought, great, World War II equipment. <laughs> And the doctors saw my blood pressure results. The, the doctors saw that I was in what they call a crash mode. My veins had collapsed. They began to try and get drip feed and anti-serum into me. Trouble is, my, my veins had gone, so they were trying to manually massage it up into my veins, but it was rolling off their thumb and forefinger. The old doctor looked at me and said, Son, I'm afraid that's all we can do for you. You've got to keep your eyes open or you will die. Okay? Well, I'd heard that way back on the road. How many have been the last man standing in parties before ecstasy turned up? So here I am. Oh, dear. You've given yourself away, young lady. So here I am. <laughs> so here I am dying thinking, well, tonight's the night to stay awake all night. But how many know, no matter how positive you are, poison will kill you? Unfortunately, I had no strength left. I thought, well, then I'll do a power nap. I'll close my eyes, find some strength, and this thing will not kill me. So as I shut my eyes to find some new strength, the machines that were monitoring my vital signs flatlined. And within a split second, I felt this extraordinary release, as though the battle of life had finished. I found myself literally out of my body. How many have heard of people that have looked down maybe eight to ten feet above their bodies and can see and hear all that's going on? Well, Jesus said, when a man dies, his spirit leaves his body, didn't he, in Ecclesiastes? He also said, I am the resurrection and life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet they shall live. Well, what was dead 
my clay vessel, my physical body. To my amazement, I was alive outside of it. In a split second, I was translated out of the hospital into a realm of complete darkness. Instead of lying down fighting for my life, I was upright. I thought, did I die? Or if we had a power cut in this third world hospital? <laughs> oh, perhaps they've lost the lights. I thought, my pupils must be dilated. Don't panic, just let your eyes accustomed to the stark. There should be some light. Turned around, couldn't see any light. I thought, well, I'll just find the light switch. Ever slept at a friend's place, need to go to the toilet in the middle of the night? How many have figured out you need to put your hand and foot out? <laughs> or it's face wall. So anyhow, I'm going out here looking for it. Couldn't find the blinking wall. I thought, what the heck? Where's my hospital bed? There should be a lamp near it. Should have thought that in the first place. As I'm going back talking to myself, I thought, no, you've lost your bed, you idiot. How the <laughs> heck did you do that? How many know you can abuse yourself but no one else? So I'm groping around the darkness looking for my hospital bed. I thought, my God, it's so dark you can't see your hand in front of your face. So I brought my right hand towards my face and my right hand goes straight through my head. I thought, you can't miss your head. Not that dark. Both hands. Two hands straight through my head. Oh, in my chest. Both hands went straight through my chest. I thought, where are my hands? Both hands went straight through each other. I thought, how can a man feel he's here when when he goes to touch his body, it's not? Then I distinctly remember my grandfather who'd fought in Gallipoli and somehow survived. Men came back to New Zealand with limbs missing. And some of these old men would say, scratch my foot, sonny. Some of these old boys have got macabre kind of, you know. Now, I've been, seen, I've been told in those years, you're seen and not heard. How many like those days to come back? You got an opinion? <laughs> Keep it. <laughs> Especially when you get teenage kids. Anyhow, so, so here I am thinking, well, I can feel my limb, but it's not there. The old men who had lost limbs in battle would tell you they could feel it there. So I'm having recollections of this and thinking we're not talking about losing a leg or an arm, we're talking about losing the entire body. Have I actually left it? Is this reality? I had no idea that they'd wheeled my body into the morgue. How many know that's not near dead? Not sure? Okay. So I am standing out of my body in complete darkness. I then feel the most intense evil as though something's checking me out. I'm, I'm not a person given to fear. I dive at night in the middle of the reef with tiger sharks, you know what I mean? And so here, I feel something to my right. Then I hear him screaming. He said, shut up. I went, shut up. I said, nothing. Some in front of me in those days, I'd get it back. Another man to my left. You deserve to be here. I said, deserve to be where? Where am I? Another man. You're in hell. Now you shut up. I thought, hell? Don't believe in it. If this is hell, where's the party? I mean, it'd be very hard to grab a beer. That would be hell for most New Zealanders. <laughs> we have chili bins. Yeah. You have yeskies. Anyhow, so here I am, mate. I've got no face, but I know it's there. How many know it's not exactly an Ibiza mosh party? How many know it would be very hard to have sex? 
Can't touch this, can you? You're, you're blind, obviously, anyhow. So if you've got no physical body, I mean, it'd be very hard to enjoy sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Well, I thought in my church, they used to have pictures when I was a kid. Little guys with horns, red tails, uh, trident pitchfork, put another one on the Barbie tonight, rotisserie. Come on, how many have seen all this stuff? Hellfire and Brimstone, Little Lucifer Spire Starters, or Harley Davidson's Meatloaf, you know, skeletons with flame coming out of there. I'm thinking, well, my physical body's not here, so it's very hard for the worms to eat the flesh because I haven't got one. How many have heard of metaphors? In fact, God says the fruit of the flesh, which is the desires of a man's wicked heart, immorality, drunkenness, adulteries, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So these men have the desires, but guess what? They can't fulfill them. So the metaphor is true. The worm will not devour the flesh. God's spoken mysteries. So here I am standing out of my body, and I'm thinking, well, maybe the flame is something you have to look forward to. Not, you know what I mean? I thought, well, God has every reason to send me here. I rolled the dice of life. I denied him, cursed his name. Accept it. Live with it. But I had no idea that that prayer in the ambulance had actually changed everything. How many have heard, the Lord is my shepherd? I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Where was I? I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Greater is he within me than he is within the world. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God. I'd made Jesus Lord and Shepherd of my soul just before I died, and thank God he was walking with me, showing me where I should have gone. Because you can't repent down there. You can't pray out of it. Next minute, light pierced through the darkness above me. As it touched my face, my entire person was enveloped in radiance, and I lifted up into the light. I thought, what's this? Beam me up, Scotty? What the heck is going on? Do you understand I've got no reference for this? None, zero. I have no idea that Jesus said, when I return, those who are alive will be caught up into the air and be with him. As I've been drawn up into this incredible white light, I thought, is this real? So I looked behind me, and I could see the darkness dissipating far beneath me. Then I remembered a Sunday school teaching about Sodom and Gomorrah. They said, don't look back. Remember the woman? She looked back. I'm thinking, you idiot, don't look back. You might fall in there. The something of Sunday school worked, you know? How many know that the days we live in are like Sodom and Gomorrah? So don't want to look back, man. So I looked forward and I was drawn up into this incredible light. As I'm going up, I can see far above me an opening like a cylinder, circular in shape, a tunnel. I find myself drawn into this tunnel of light. I then find myself moving at the speed of light through the tunnel towards the end. As I'm moving at this extraordinary speed, waves of light came up towards me. First wave of light that touched me gave off comfort, like a living emotion. I thought, well, I've tried southern comfort. <laughs> what the heck's this stuff? It was like a living light. I moved further down. Another wave of light came and complete peace. My entire being was just inundated with peace. Jesus said, I'm the Prince of Peace. Peace I give you, not of this world. 
Although well, in the darkness my hand went through my face, I wonder if I can see my form in the light. I quickly turned my head to the right because I could feel my hand out like that. And as I looked, I stopped and realized that my hand was actually there. No longer bone and flesh, but a transparent spirit-like being. But it was the same shape and size as me. Does that make any sense? It says we'll be changed. Mortality will take on immortality. First the natural, then the heavenly. Death, where is your sting? But we shall be transformed to be sons and daughters of light. So as I'm looking at this, I now know why my hand could go through my face. I thought, I want to see more. As I went further down, another wave of light came up, and I felt incredible joy. As I came out of the end of the tunnel, I came into a kingdom, having seen my hand, into a kingdom of light. So enormous, as though I'd come into the center of all life, where star systems, galaxies, constellations must surely find their source. As I stood there, I was amazed. I thought, what is that light? Is there something in the light? Then I heard the man's voice who had led me through the Lord's Prayer speak. He said, Ian, do you wish to return? I thought, return? There is someone. Return where? I looked behind me, and here is the tunnel going back into hell. I thought, am I dead, standing before a being of light who knows my name? Or am I comatized, lying in a hospital bed, eyes shut, tripping out of my skull on endorphins? Is this taking place in my head in an NDE, or am I actually out of my body talking? Do you understand? It could only be two things. So I said, look, if I'm dead out of my body, I wish to return. I have no idea where I am. He said, Ian, <laughs> what did he say? Ian, if you wish to return, you must see in a new light. I said, are you the true light? He instantly spoke and said, Ian, God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. 1 John 1.5. Well, I'd heard Taoism. How many have seen the circle of life? Yin and Yang. I had five of them on my surfboard. They make light and darkness equal and opposite. Not true. Light will always outpower darkness. Bring a box of darkness into this room and open it, the light will take it. So in one statement, I had no idea. I thought all religions taught the same. I had no idea in one statement, and the Bible is the only one that separates itself from all other religions, because God states that he is light and in him there's no darkness. So I'm standing going, well, there's no darkness. I look behind me, no shadow, because the radiance is shining through my transparent spirit body and casting no shadow. I'm thinking, that's extraordinary. Is that God? Darkness. I've just come from darkness, and the men called it hell. I didn't believe in hell. I thought it was a religious trip to scare people into, into church. I thought all religions were based in fear. If you can scare someone, maybe they'll believe in your God. I'm standing here going, well, if that is God, if this is the true living God, look at the enormous light. It seems as though he knows my thought before I speak. He knows my name and I didn't tell him. Then he must see everything. I thought someone's made a dreadful mistake and beamed the wrong man up. I should crawl back under some rock before they figure out they got the wrong guy. So I begin to judge myself and move back towards the darkness of the tunnel. As I move back, waves of radiance emanate forth from him. As the light hits me, I feel unconditional love and acceptance. I thought, love? Why on earth would God love a man like me? Surely he must know what I've done wrong. I thought, perhaps he's too old and doesn't. I thought, well, I should tell him now. No use coming in and getting booted out later. False hope, you know. So I said, I have broken your commandments. How many broken one of the commandments? 
How many even know what they are anymore? I mean, if you break one, it says you're guilty of all ten. It didn't seem fair, so you might as well go for the whole hog. <laughs> Going down for one, mate. So I was fairly wholehearted. I think I'd got about eight. So I began telling God the sins that I committed. As I'm telling him, his response to every sin is pure love and acceptance. So I go to the worst, most sickest, most degenerate stuff I've ever done. As I was speaking out, his incredible response was love and acceptance. I thought, that's crazy, man. Something inside here busted, and I felt tears coming up. I thought, no, no, men don't cry, only little boys. I'd control my emotions for about 12 years. As I did, tears came out, uncontrollable emotion. I said, I tried to stop crying, it got worse. How many have tried to stop crying and you can't stop, man? So I'm sobbing, I'm weeping, I'm absolutely gutted, realizing that God somehow has forgiven me. And he said, Ian, when you prayed in the ambulance, the Lord's Prayer, I didn't just forgive some of your sins, I forgave all of them. How would you like to have all your sins forgiven? We're talking about wipe the slate clean, fresh start. It says, even though my sins are scarlet red, he will make them as white as snow. This is what's called amazing grace. So I'm standing here absolutely transformed by the love of God. As this is taking place, I thought, if he loves me so much and accepts me just as I am, maybe I could see him. I thought if I could see him, I could put a name to God. I could ask him the meaning and truth to life. I thought if I could just step through this light which he's standing in, I could see God. So I thought, that's it, I'm coming in. I could see the light around me, not only fill me, but encase me in pure love. Then I realized the radiance and glory around God was full of love. The greatest is God is love. And his love covers a multitude of sins. I began walking into it. As I stepped into the radiance, my spirit body literally was eclipsed inside the light. I could see like miniature stars, as like I'd come into the realms of where the universe is formed. This light then began to move inside my body, my spirit body, and I could feel the light healing my broken heart. I thought, what the heck is that? No girlfriend could get that close. My mum couldn't get that close. How could God heal a man's heart? I began to cry and realize that I wasn't sad, I was happy. You ever had that emotion? Where you can be happy and still cry. As I walked deeper inside the light, I watched the, the veils begin to part. I'm sorry I'm taking too long. When they do that, it means I'm finished. <laughs> Just thought I'd let you know. So here I am. I watched the veils of light begin to part, and standing in front of me was a man with bare feet, dazzling white robes reaching down to his ankles, made up of this cloud of light, arms outstretched as if to meet me. But when I looked at his face, I realized that's not the face of a man. That's the face of God extraordinary light, seven to ten times brighter than anything I'd seen, was emanating out of the core of his face. <sighs> Look at that. It's like the cosmos, the universe, eternity within eternity in his face. Who on earth is that? That's almighty God. But look at him. He looks like Jesus, but his hair's white, pure white down to his shoulder. 
I had no comprehension that the Bible said that Jesus has here white like wool like snow. In his resurrected glorified form, he has robes of light reaching his feet. His face is like the sun shining in full strength. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I'm standing in absolute awe going, I've seen stained glass windows, pictures of Jesus looking like a hippie, but not like this. I have no idea that he's God. But when I walk towards him, his light emanates into me and I feel purity and holiness. I feel totally... Every single part of my being is in love with this person. I've never felt such absolute adoration, incredible thankfulness towards God who had just forgiven me. And His arms of love are reaching out to me. Can you imagine if you, when, when you die, if you know the Lord, you're going to walk towards Him. And you know what He's going to do? Arms of love. I felt like the prodigal son. I felt like I'd come out of the pigsty life, but I was walking to someone who loved me, covered all my sins. And I'll tell you what, I felt like the prostitute. Remember, she came up to Jesus and she wept, covered his feet with tears. And the disciples said, look, don't you know what this woman's like? And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. Go and sin no more. I felt like that prostitute. I looked for love. I got lust, sensuality, passion, sex. I knew everything but love. I'm looking at him. I'm looking at a person who not only loved me, but was willing to lay his life down for me. No greater love than a man would die for his for his, for his friend. He had laid his life down for me, but he wasn't dead. He was alive. I feel the light of his glory transforming me. Every single part of me comes alive. I am absolutely so overwhelmed with joy, with love, with... with... But I, I knew that I could look at his face and, and he wasn't turning away. He wasn't looking, going, oh, you disgusting thing. He was looking at me with adoration, with absolute beauty and acceptance. And I'm married to a woman who loves me dearly, but her love doesn't come anywhere near what I saw with Jesus. As I walked towards him, um, the, I, had a, I was in Taiwan a few years ago, and a young Chinese girl was sitting there with her iPad. At the end of it, she did this on her iPad. She said, did it look anything like that? I said, lady, unbelievable. Yes, yes, yes. So I asked if I could use it. Thank God some artists are trying to portray Jesus glorified. The dead Savior doesn't talk. Most people still have Jesus on the cross. They're kissing it, hanging around their neck. Get him off the cross, he's alive. Dead religion talks to a dead Savior. The cross is the point of entry for repentance, the blood of Jesus. But then we meet with the glorified Son of God who's no longer dead. Holds the keys of life, eternity, resurrection power. Can heal broken hearts, set captives free. As I walked up towards him, Jesus began to step to one side. I thought, why won't you let me see his face? As he stepped to one side, right behind him were fields. Absolutely beautiful pastures. I stood there and I thought, look at the flowers. I thought, well, heaven's supposed to be clouds, isn't it? With people with white sheets playing harps. Fat Italian babies firing little Cupid arrows. What the heck is this? I've been here to save the earth, save the planet, save the whale. Thank God Jesus said, just get saved yourself. 
And he said, I have created a new earth. I stood there looking at at an earth which was untouched by man. It actually made New Zealand look trashed. I stood in awe at what I was seeing, untouched, brand new, completely, no messed up creation. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. I've created a new heaven and a new earth. I saw a crystal clear river. This is actually New Zealand. It's the closest thing you can find on heaven on earth. So I stood there in absolute awe. Jesus then came back in front of me and he said, Ian, now that you've seen, do you wish to stay here or return? What would you do? Melbourne or eternity, new earth, new heaven, new Jerusalem, no more sickness, no more death, no more war. New heavenly body, your spirit body gets clothed with an eternal body. Come on. I'm going, I'm staying. I don't want to go back. I'm not a masochist. I'm not into apocalypse now. Who'd want to go back? He didn't move. So I said, well, no one loves me. I'm not married. I've got no one to return for. Well, no kids that I know of. (laughs) He didn't move. When you're before God, it's not another notch on the belt. You're ruthlessly open before him and you're actually repentant towards your lifestyle of lust. So I stood there and I said, God, please help me. I've got no one to return for. No one cares for me. No one loves me. So I look back to say goodbye, cruel world, and God knew exactly who was going to be behind me. A vision of my mum. My mum's still alive. She's 85 right now. We just celebrated her birthday. She still daily kneels and prays for the whole family. So I'm looking at mum and thought, well, if I'm dead, mother will never know that I made my, a decision in that ambulance. No one could ever tell her that her heathen son got saved in an ambulance. I said, God, I want to go back and tell her. She said, he said, Ian, if you return, you must see things in a new light. I looked back again, saw my dad, saw my brother, my sister, hundreds of thousands of people. I said, why do you show me all these people? He said, Ian, I want you to return and tell them what you've seen. Most will not step foot inside a church to hear my name. I thought, that's right. I've never met you in church. None of my mates would have even gone there. And I'm thinking, I know some of these people. <laughs> How the youth, I don't love them. He said, I love them. I desire all of them to come to know me. I said, well, I love mum. I'll go back for her. So he said, tilt your head in, open your eyes and see. And as he spoke to me, I was instantaneously back in my body. To my amazement, on a slab in a mortuary. With a doctor holding my foot with a scalpel, prodding my foot like a dead piece of meat. And suddenly I came alive and the doctor saw my eye looking at him. (laughs) He went through the ceiling. I'm thinking, what the heck are you doing my foot? God said, I've just given your life back. I said, God, could I look out the other eye? I tilted my head to the left, and as I looked out the other eye, nurses were in the doorway, freaked out, knocked over each other and ran. How many know you will die? How many know sometimes God brings back the dead? It's rare, but he sometimes does. This doctor was terrified, dropped my foot. He said, you've been dead for 15 to 20 minutes. We've done nothing to bring you back. I thought, should I tell him what I've seen? I've not seen a movie by Jack Nicholson, one who flew over the cuckoo's nest. I thought, if I tell him I've seen the guy upstairs with a sheet on, mate, they'll have me in the rubber room. White jacket, buckle up behind, Prozac. So I said, look, I, I couldn't tell him. I just said, God, heal me, and enable me to walk out of the hospital. And as I did, well, we've got the whole band now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's subtle, isn't it? Anyhow. <laughs> 
You got nothing to do, have you? Anyhow, so here I am. I am absolutely blown out because I've just met with Jesus. He's just given my life back. I've walked out of the hospital completely healed. Fishermen think I'm a ghost come back from the dead. I fly home and I said, God, what the heck's going on? I'm not even wanting to go to nightclubs. I, was, I went to Midnight Oil and walked out of the thing because was, I was blown out, mate. I couldn't seem to do what I used to do. I was praying every day. He said, you're a reborn Christian. I said, I've never heard of it. He said, when you prayed in the ambulance, you were born again. He said, I want you to read a Bible. Within six weeks, I read my father's Bible. As I read it, I realized that Jesus Christ had literally been the Lamb of God who died on that cross. And his blood had washed away all my sins. But thank God when they buried him, he actually came out of the tomb. And he literally rose from the dead three days later. And he is glorified. I saw the whole story, the new heavens, the new earth, every single thing in here. My mother saw me reading the Bible and praying and was absolutely blown out, told me her story, and we wept together. I thank God my mum never gave up on me. I thank God one person continued to believe against all odds that Jesus Christ was real. And one person had never seen God like I had, but knew him to be the living Saviour. And she saw her son, her daughter, her own husband come to faith. And she knelt down and thanked God for saving her children. He's alive. He's coming back again on a white horse. But his arms of love are reaching out to you tonight. I'm going to pray if that's okay. In 1982, my girlfriend took me to church. I was right at the back. When I came into the church, I realized these people actually seemed normal. <laughs> and the guy who preached touched my heart. And he asked the preacher, people to respond and pray from their hearts where they were seated. And I prayed out loud in my heart that night. And I responded to Jesus' call to salvation again. I'd done it in an ambulance, but I reaffirmed that in the church. So I'd like you to bow your head with me. If you come in here tonight and somehow in your heart you know that you're not right with God, you know that if you were to die tonight, you won't be going there. You're going the wrong way. That you want to know Him. You want to be forgiven. You want a clean start. You're a prayer away. It requires repentance. It requires humility. So if you can pray with me and ask Jesus to forgive you, I'd like you to bow your head with me and pray out these words out loud. Church, you can join me. Lord Jesus Christ. I humble myself tonight. I admit I've been wrong. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I believe you died on that cross for me. You're the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And your blood can cleanse me as white as snow. Jesus, cleanse me. Wash me. Forgive me. Purify me. And I forgive those who have sinned against me. And I surrender my whole life to you. Come into my heart by the power of your Holy Spirit. Change me, Lord, from the inside out. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.